Welcome to the Acreman Angle, your resource for what you need to know about wage and hour compliance. I'm Damian Delaney, and I'm co-chair of Acreman's Wage and Hour Practice and a partner with a firm based in Los Angeles. And I'm Jeff Kimmel, co-chair of Acreman's Wage and Hour Practice and a partner based in the firm's New York office. So today, we'll be discussing the new proposed federal rules for increasing the salary threshold for employees to qualify as exempt from overtime. The Fair Labor Standards Act requires that employers pay employees at least a minimum hourly wage set by statute and an overtime rate of one and a half times an employee's regular hourly rate of pay for any hours the employee works over 40 in a work week. The Fair Labor Standards Act exempts from the overtime pay requirements certain classes of employees, including those working in bona fide executive, administrative, and professional capacity, or the EAP exemptions. Under the current regulations, the EAP exemption applies to employees who are paid on a salary basis, are paid at above the minimum salary threshold, currently $684 a week, which translates to 35568 annually, um, and have primary duties of executive, professional, or administrative positions. There's also an exemption which was created in 2004 for highly compensated employees um, at a compensation level currently set at 107,432. On September 8th of this year, the Department of Labor published a notice of proposed rulemaking that would significantly increase the salary threshold for exempt status. This would be the first time the department has increased this threshold since 2019. That's right, Damien. And we should just very quickly point out here that although the Department of Labor has stated that the current increased salary threshold would be 55,068, they've also warned that it could be significantly higher by the time the rule goes into effect and have said that it could be as much as uh, $60,000 annually by the time the rule becomes effective. In the proposed rule, the department wants to update the EAP exemption test by increasing the minimum salary level to $1,059 per week or $55,068 annually from $684 per week or $35,568 annually. And the way they want to do this is by adopting a different methodology than what it has followed since 2004 in adjusting the salary level thresholds. The new methodology proposes to utilize data from the 35th percentile of weekly earnings of full-time salaried workers in the lowest wage census region, which at the time is the South. The prior methodology was using the 20th percentile of full-time salaried workers in the lowest wage census region. So by moving from the 20th percentile to the 35th percentile, the department is, is significantly expanding uh, the, the, the number of employees that are included in elevating the, uh, the level of salary that's required to meet the exemption. Similarly, the department wants to increase the, the threshold for the highly compensated employee by increasing that number to 144. $3,988 per year, which represents the 85th percentile of full-time salaried employees nationally. The proposed rule also increases the salary threshold for the highly compensated employee, or HCE, exemption. 
And the HCE exemption provides for a modified duties test for employees who have a very high salary level. The current threshold is $107,432 per year, which represents the 80th percentile of full-time salaried workers nationally. Again, the department wants to change the methodology and increase that from the 80th percentile to the 85th percentile. And that change in methodology ends up being a su substantial increase in the, the salary to $143,988 per year. And then last but not least, and probably the most significant change in approach in the proposed rule is that the department wants to establish and implement an automatic updating mechanism for the standard salary level, as well as the HCE salary level. And that would result in automatic updates tied to those same methodologies of the 35th percentile for EAP and the 85th percentile for HCE that would take place every three years. There would be no comment period, no notice of new rulemaking. Those increases would simply happen by operation of law. Right, Damien. And you know the interesting thing about that is that, as you noted, those increased are based on you know a methodology. They're not set numbers that that, that the the thresholds are going to be increased to every three years. So we don't know, you know. If this rule becomes a final rule and goes into effect, you're not going to know three years in advance what the next increased number is going to be. It's going to be based on, you know, what the 35th percentile is, right, for the AAPs, and what the 85th percentile is for the HCEs, um, and you know that's going to depend on current data. So um, the Department of Labor has said that they're going to try to inform the public of what those expected thresholds are going to be at least i think 120 days prior to the actual increase is taking place but for for a lot of employers that's not a heck of a lot of notice as to you know what these increases are going to be because they have to make adjustments to their business uh, as a result of these increases they need to do audits and see who's you know who's going to be affected by this and how many employees that are currently exempt from overtime or no longer going to meet the salary threshold and therefore not going to be exempt from overtime unless there's a salary increase, which then, of course, affects their financial projections and, and so forth that affects their, their business planning, right? So, and you mentioned this, but, you know, just to kind of go back to it for a second, you know, what's being proposed is increasing the threshold from the 20th percentile in the lowest wage geographic area of the country to 35th percentile, that's changing the methodology that's been the standard for the EAP exemptions for 85 years. Um, so it's not, you know, it, it's not, um, it, you know, it is definitely out of the ordinary in terms of what they're trying to do. So, Damien, considering the, the significant changes proposed by, by the Department of Labor, what do we see on the horizon for this proposed rule? There's a 60-day public comment period that will is expected to close on November 7th, 2023, although it may be extended. But this is an opportunity for business owners and, and other employers to provide feedback to the department on the proposed rule. 
Presumably, the department will take some time after that to consider the comments and then will possibly make revisions uh, to the rule, but would expect them to adopt a final rule that in large part looks like the proposed rule that we've already seen. At that point, um, I think we can pretty well expect that there will be legal challenges from industry groups or other stakeholders who intend to try to fight the proposed rule in the courts. And it's impossible to predict how that that will turn out. Although, Jeff, we may be able to read some tea leaves in, in what's happened with prior rulemakings on this on this issue. Right, Damien. So we actually have a fairly recent precedence uh, of this type of legal challenge, which is that in 2016, the Department of Labor under the Obama administration uh, had also proposed a substantial increase in the threshold salary for exemptions from overtime and issued a final rule. Uh, that rule was challenged in, in federal district court in, in Texas, um, and the court in that case actually invalidated that rule, finding that the rule exceeded the Department of Labor's rulemaking authority, and essentially that an increase, that kind of change to the exemption rules was more akin to uh, legislation and something that a legislature would have to do than an agency's ability or, or authority to, to change the rules, primarily because the salary thresholds were raised so significantly that the court agreed with the plaintiffs in that case that it changed the dynamic of overtime exemptions to put way too much emphasis on salary and less on duties, finding that, you know, the intention, you know, originally with these exemptions was that the duties test would be the, the real meat of it, but they wanted there to be a floor below which, you know, you just weren't earning enough money to be considered exempt from overtime. Um, and the court essentially found that by increasing that threshold so significantly in that final rule issued in 2016, um, that it was the, the tail wagging the dog. Um, and, and that kind of change really needed to be done legislatively and not through agency rulemaking. So we, we have a very similar precedent. In that case, you know, here where the Department of Labor wants to increase the threshold to a 35th percentile, back then in 2016, the proposed increase was up to the 40th percentile. Um, so it's not that much of a difference, considering that the standard is the 20th percentile of, of wages. Um, so it's certainly going to be challenged, and we, you know, we can't minimize the, the potential that it will be overturned, although you never know what a court's going to rule and what, what could happen on appeal. That's right, Jeff. And it still remains to be seen if the proposed rule is adopted in something resembling its current form, how these changes will affect the economy and most employers and employees in the country. It's also a good time to remind our listeners that there are several states that have their own exempt salary thresholds that currently exceed the FLSA threshold set by the Department of Labor, but may also be affected by this uh, proposed rulemaking. In, in the majority of those states, the new salary thresholds that the department is contemplating will surpass this, the, the separate state-imposed uh, uh, thresholds that are higher. The only exceptions are California, who has the one of the highest salary 
thresholds in the country. And in Washington, for certain large employers, their their salary threshold also exceeds what the department is contemplating. But in many cases, those state thresholds may be wiped out by the new proposed rule, which then, of course, Jeff raises a question as to whether regulators in those states wanting to, again, have their foot forward and how good they are for employees might then respond by increasing their uh, their thresholds to stay ahead of the uh, of the federal standards. So that simply remains to be seen. And of course, if the automatic updates are implemented, then these states are also going to have to keep their eye on where uh, where the federal number is going. And it could be a little bit of a whipsaw for employers in, you know, one year you have to comply with the separate state standard, but in the next year you have to comply with the federal standard. So it looks like it's going to be uh, a little bit of chaos here, at least in the in, in the first few years as employers um, adapt to this. Again, if the final rule is adopted in something like its current form. That's right, Damien. So there's really a lot for employers to you know, to keep an eye on here and to anticipate. Um, and you know, what we are suggesting as employers should be, uh, you know, way, uh, a aware of this notice of proposed rulemaking and what the ultimate rule might look like. And probably a good idea to start looking at how that would affect your business um, if these, these thresholds are increased as proposed by the Department of Labor, and what type of adjustments that's going to require an employer to make in terms of which employees are exempt and not exempt, and and determine you know how their business is going to adjust for that. Are you going to increase salaries so that people remain exempt? Are you going to start paying them the overtime premium for hours over 40? Um, are you going to pass these costs on to consumers? Is this going to result in um, sort of consolidation consolidation of, of jobs and duties? Um, you know, eliminations of positions, uh, elimination of middle manager positions that previously have been exempt but now would require overtime pay because of the increased salary thresholds, things like that, right? So that's right, Jeff. And in terms of how much employers are able to prepare for this change, a lot of that is going to depend on when we're going to have to start complying with a final rule that looks like the proposed rule. And that in and of itself is an uncertainty because as we've discussed, if the rule is adopted like this, it's almost certain to have face an immediate legal challenge. And it's very possible that a first step in that legal challenge would be an injunction that would prevent the rule from taking effect. So employers have to decide, you know, knowing that that is, is a possibility uh, in, in terms of the course of this rule, going from proposal to actual uh, to actual regulation is do you try to come into compliance now or do you simply keep an eye on it start to plan and prepare with the possibility that this may never take effect or something that is a significantly uh, reduced version of this is what ultimately takes effect so Again, this is something that I think, Jeff, to keep simply keep your eye on the horizon and, and, and watch what's coming. And of course, stay in touch with your uh, with your wage and hour attorney who can help guide you through it. I think that's right, Damien. I think that the, the upshot of this is employers need to, you know, need to be aware of it and look at how this may affect their businesses and and decide whether it makes sense to make adjustments now or just be prepared to do so should the rule become actually effective at some future date. 
We thank you for listening, and we appreciate your support. If you have any questions or comments regarding our podcast, please email us at podcasts at acreman.com. Again, that's podcasts at acreman.com. We welcome your input, or we may answer one of your questions on an upcoming episode. 